Well, again, good morning. I welcome those who are on, on live stream. I do have some bodies in front of me. That's always good. If I happen to have a joke, I may get a chuckle. But if no one is here, then I sit here looking at myself and the praise team. And what are you going to do with that? In any event, the title of my sermon this morning is Image is Not Everything. I've got to tell you right from the outset, this is undoubtedly the most important sermon that I have ever delivered in the more than 24 years that I have been preaching. And I think you're going to understand why. My text is the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And that reads, verse 1, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. These first three verses are the first commandment. And then verses 4 to 6 reads, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven, above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. Amen? I think verses 1, 2, and 3 are relatively easy to understand. They're relatively easy to accept, challenging to obey, but we understand what we have to obey. Where Christians get in trouble is in verses 4 through 6. And these combined verses, 4 through 6, comprise our second commandment. And so verses 4 to 6 is going to be my focus this morning. Pray with me now, as I usually do, and I look to Psalm 1914. So dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, with 9-11, Afghanistan, Iraq... Suicide bombers, ICs, need I say more? Homeland security is maybe the number one concern facing this nation right now. The Ten Commandments are all about homeland security because the greatest way to secure the homeland is to secure the homes in that land. And that is exactly what the Ten Commandments were given for. Now remember, these are not arbitrary rules. These were family laws. They were laws given by God to his family, the nation of Israel, so they could teach these laws to their families. And as a result, they would have homes that were safe and secure. And so these commandments were primarily given to protect the family. And we see that, especially in this second commandment. It may surprise you to learn that the most repeated commandment of all of the Ten Commandments in the entire Bible is the second commandment. The word idol or idolatry appears over 220 times in Scripture. There is no more denunciation than idolatry than any other sin you find in God's Word. For God, idolatry is public enemy number one. If God had a most wanted list, idolaters would be right at the top. And the reason is simple. Everybody worships 
some kind of God. Everybody believes in some kind of deity. It may be nature, science, or the God of self, but everybody worships some God. And that is why the Bible preaches against idolatry and not atheism. Here is something else you may not know. The second commandment is the only commandment where God says that if you break it, you actually hate him. If you worship a false god, if you worship anything other than God, or you attempt to worship the right God the wrong way, then you hate God according to this commandment. Now I realize that if there is a commandment today that people in the 21st century think is totally out of date, totally irrelevant, and absolutely not applicable to where we are, it would be the second commandment. I realize also that people, there are people who believe the entire Ten Commandments are arbitrary anyway, that they were for a different time and a different culture, and they really don't make any sense today. Now, I realize that there are laws on the book today that become irrelevant. Listen, these are actual laws on the books that, quite frankly, are unbelievable. For example, in Massachusetts, it is illegal to wear stilts while working on a construction site. In Detroit, it is illegal to tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. In Mao County, Hawaii, children must be at least 12 years old to be able to play on a busy highway. <laughs> In Kern County, California, it is illegal to play bingo while drunk. If you play bingo, you'll understand. In Texas, windshield wipers are required on a car even if you don't have a windshield. Well, let me assure you that God's laws are not as arbitrary or temporary. They are universal and they are permanent. They are for all time, they're all for all people. As a matter of fact, 1800 years after this command was written, the Apostle John said in 1 John 5.21, little children, Guard yourselves from idols. Now, the first and second commandments sound similar, but they are really different. The first commandment tells us not to worship the wrong God. The second commandment tells us not to worship the right God the wrong way. The first commandment tells us who we are to worship. The second commandment tells us how we are to worship. Again, the first commandment tells us never to worship the wrong God in any way. And the second commandment tells us never to worship the right God in the wrong way. And you're going to see in this commandment that there is both a potential to curse the home and a potential to bless the home. And the single greatest issue for the security of your family is found in these two questions. First, regarding your home. Will the home worship the right God? And two, will the home worship the right God the right way? Or to put it another way, 
Will the home worship a God they create? Or will the home worship the God that created them? So let's start. First, consider that a created God limits real worship. Our text, Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5 states, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. Understand what idolatry is. It is an attempt to represent the supernatural God in a natural way. And to put it even better, it is an attempt to represent a spiritual God in a material way. The problem is to worship God through an image or through an idol. That would be like having a picture of your family and loving the picture rather than the family. Now, if Israel already knew there was the one true God, why did God have to even give them this commandment to begin with? Well, if you read Exodus 32, it reads that before Moses even came down from the mountaintop where he was having this conference with God, the people got tired of waiting, so they built a golden calf to worship. They got that idea from the several years that they spent in Egypt and they learned how to have a physical idol. Israel broke the first two commandments before they even knew what they were. Do you know why they made this golden calf? They had to have a visible image they had to have something they could see and something they could touch. Think about this. It takes less faith to worship a little God that you can see than to worship the real God that you can't see. And that's the problem with idols, because idols do two things. One, idols limit our faith in God. And second, they limit the God of our faith. And that is why God is so thorough what he said in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. That pretty much covers everything. Nothing in the sky, nothing on the ground, nothing in the sea is ever to be worshipped. Generally, that is not a real problem for most of us today. But idolatry is still a problem. Because today, the idols that we worship are not the ones we make with our hands. They're the ones we make with our hearts. They're not primarily metal. They're primarily mental. I want you to listen to these words from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 14, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent. Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all of your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. Ezekiel is clearly talking about the idols of the heart. But listen, so many people today worship a God that they want that God to be rather than the way God really is. The problem with idolatry 
is that we elevate what we like about God and we eliminate what we don't like. For example, let me give you some idols that people worship today. First, there is the man upstairs God. We all hear about the man upstairs. He's a man just like us. He just lives one floor above us. He's not a big deal. Then there is the Santa Claus God. We all know that God. That is the God that owes us anything we want. He's just a heavenly ATM machine, and we ought to expect prosperity and blessings and the Mercedes-Benz and Rolex watches. Then there is the doctor God. That is the God that always wants us to be healed and without pain. Never, ever wants us to be sick. If you are sick and you stay sick, it's not God's problem. It's yours. You know, not enough faith. Then there is the lovey-dovey God. That is the God who would never, ever allow anyone to go to hell. Doesn't matter whether you know Jesus Christ or not. Doesn't matter whether you obey God or not. In the end, this lovey-dovey God is going to take everybody to heaven. The problem with people who have these gods is there is nothing they compare God with. There is nothing for that says to them, now this is what God is like. They don't have the word in their library and it's certainly not in their hearts. Now the problem with idols is the idol makes the infinite God finite. The invisible God, visible. The omnipotent God, impotent. The heavenly God, earthly. The living God, dead. And the spiritual God, material. And that is why a created God limits worship. Secondly, a created God leads to false worship. Idolatry is the worship of a God we create instead of the God who created us. There are only two kinds of gods you can worship. You can either worship the God who made you or you will worship the God that you made. You will either worship the creator God or a created God. Jeremiah in 14.22 said, Are there any among the idols of the nations who give rain? Or can the heavens grant showers? It is not you, O Lord our God. Therefore we hope in you, for you are the one who has done all these things. You know what Jeremiah was saying? Why waste your time worshiping a created God when you could worship the creator God? I want to ask you a question point blank. What is your idol? If you deny one or are not sure whether you have one or not, answer two questions. First of all, what do you love the most? I'm reminded of a story that I heard about a wife who had just had, every, had, just had it with football. 
Week after week after week, her husband had been glued to the television set every Saturday and every Sunday with football games, completely ignoring his wife. One weekend, she'd had enough. She planted herself in front of the television, stomped her foot and said, I want to know right now, do you love me more or football? After a long period of silence, her husband finally looked up at her and said, I love you more than hockey. (laughs) Football players get that. Wives get it too. So what do you love the most? You know, some people love food more than anything else. In Philippians 3.19, Paul speaks of people whose God is their belly, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. And some people love fun more than anything else. Second Timothy 3.4 speaks of those who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Some people lo- love money and finances more than they love anything else. What Job said in Job 31, 24, and 29, I have put my confidence, if I have put my confidence in gold and called fine gold my trust, that too would have been an inequity calling for judgment. Well, listen, some people park their idols in the garage. Some people dock their idols in the marina. Some people put their idols in a safe deposit box. Some people worship fitness. Their God is their bod. They may not go to church, but they won't miss a day in the gym. They pop their vitamins and pump their iron, and they have their plastic surgeries. You know, there is little wrong with any of these, unless... They become your idol. Some people worship their family. I've heard so many people say, I put my family first. Well, you had better not. You had better put God first. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So the second question to ask yourself if you want to determine whether or not you are an idolater is this. What do you trust the most? Where do you place your security? In your job? In your pension? In your 401k? In medicine? In government? In science, in your bank account. Let me make it very simple. I can show you whether or not you are an idolater if you will show me two things, your checkbook and your calendar. Show me how you spend your time and show me how you spend your treasure and you will see whether or not you are an idolater. And third... Consider the creator God liberates true worship. Exodus 20, verse 5 states, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. 
Now that is amazing. God admits that he is a jealous God. And the word jealous literally means to burn. God burns with jealousy. Nothing provokes the jealousy of God, and I might say the anger of God like idolatry. The Lord himself said in Deuteronomy 32, 21, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. Now let me explain to you why God is a jealous God. It is because God has a monopoly on being God. He has the exclusive copyright. He has the eternal patent. You cannot share his attributes with anybody or anything else. He has cornered the market on being God. No human being has a right to be jealous of another human being because you're not the only human being on this planet. No preacher has a right to be jealous of another preacher because there are millions of preachers in this world. No musician has a right to be jealous of another musician because there are other musicians in the world. But God has a right to be jealous because there are no other gods. He doesn't have to share. That is why the second commandment comes with a curse. Again, verse 5 states, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. This is very difficult for some people to swallow. But notice something carefully here that is often overlooked. Notice how the threat ends. God says he will punish three or four generations of those who hate me. The reason why the children get punished is because they continue to worship the God their fathers did and taught them. That is why I can tell you with 100% confidence, parents, the most important thing you can ever do for your family is to make sure that your family learns to worship the right God the right way. There is nothing more destructive that you can do to your family than to fail to worship the right God in the right way. And there is a blessing in this commandment. Our text, verse 6, states, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Do you notice that the promise is more powerful than the curse? The curse lasts for three or four generations. What is that, less than 300 people? But the blessing lasts for thousands of people. There is nothing as liberating Nothing as freeing as worshiping the right God in the right way. Think about how it sets your family free. You no longer have to worry about the approval of other people. All you have to worry about is the approval of God. When you worship the right God the right way, it sets you free from your past because you are completely forgiven. It sets you free in the present because now you have God's power to help you every day. And it sets you free for the future because you know you're going to spend eternity with him. 
So now you understand why the first two commandments are the first two. Because God is not about rules. He is about a relationship. Now, even though I entitled this message, image is not everything because there must be a real God. But there is one image that is everything, and that is Jesus Christ. Listen, God has already revealed himself in an image. You don't need to make up another. Colossians 1.15 says, speaking of Jesus, here is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Greek word for image is the word that gives us the English word icon. Jesus is the exact icon, the complete image of God. Listen, Jesus was not made after the image of God. And he was not made in the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. You don't have to settle for anything less than the real thing. And that is why when you put God first and you worship the right God in the right way and you get to know the real image of God by getting to know Jesus Christ, you can secure your homes, your children, both in this life and the life to come. Amen? Amen. Service is over. Worship is our foremost calling. And we must worship the right God in the right way. And the right God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the one true God. When you leave, share him with the world, the world that God allows to cross your path daily. Amen?